0: How the right, how conception of law relates to what it is that is best for individual human beings Okay. Um has conception of halacha. Um, so, I should start by saying that probably the presumption with which most people start is that halacha is, in fact, the best thing for every individual human being. And the reason we do it is because God is perfect, and God created a perfect law, and therefore, the best thing for every person in terms of the development of the Shama is to keep halacha. And I, in fact, you know, would, would naturally say the same thing, being naturally a from person. Um, so I want to you know, start off by saying that this is a shirah in the Rambam, and so any, any Kira here is entirely his fault. Um, <laughs> okay, the Rambam, right, the Rambam uh, who did, was not, it seems, uh, naturally a from person in quite the same way, uh, has some fairly radical things to say in the guide of the perplexed about the relationship between law and the individual. Okay, he begins with, by saying... Among the right, uh, this is Guide to the perplex 334. Um, the the, Guide to the perplex is written in Arabic, which I don't know. Um, what you have here is my English translation of Rav Kafaf's Hebrew translation of the Arabic. Um, <laughs> so, you could, you know, so all errors are Kafah's fault. <laughs> among the things, right, Among the things that you likewise ought to know is that the Torah does not consider the bode. Okay, which I translated the isolated or the individual. And the command was not given, meaning the commands in the Torah were not given, with a view to the minority of cases, kefiratavar hamulats. Rather, in everything that is desirable to accomplish, and the realm thinks that desirable, desirable things to accomplish can be classified in three categories. You can either have a hashkafa, right, some kind of theolo- theological or religious spirit outlook, or a midah, a character trait, or he calls them, right, or an action. Right? Those are the three, the three reasonable purposes of law, are law can try and change how you think, law can try and change how you are, and law can try and change what you do. Um, so in all three categories, Okay. So when the Torah sets up these commands, it only looks at majorities, and no attention is paid to something that rarely occurs, nor to the damage that will occur to an individual human because of that decree in Torah governance. Okay, so he starts off by making a fairly radical claim that halacha can damage individual human beings. Um, and when God gave the Torah, he gave the Torah to be, all right, to be on the whole, in the majority of cases, good, but with no consideration as to what its impact would be on individual human beings. Okay. Um, now he says, Right? This is where, you know, in a way that might seem very, you know, sort of in your face. For the Torah is a divine thing. Right? It's because the Torah is from God that it's this way. Why? And therefore, right, the Torah is a divine thing. Well, what else is there is divine? The world is divine. So the Torah must be constructed like the world. Well, how does the world function? Right? The world does not function with individual physical reality. The world functions according to Right to, to laws of nature, and those laws of nature are set up. You know, for those of us who are fans of the anthropic principle, right, to enable right to enable human life, and, right, and human choice and all that. But every once in a while, the laws of nature happen to cause thousands of people to be drowned, right, or you know, or right, or people, right, or people to be to die of cold or heat or all that kind of stuff. Um, and when God set up the world, presumably set up the world so that. Um, so that on the whole, it would be good for human beings, and he didn't set up the world to prevent some of us from dying of natural causes or from natural disasters. So if the laws of nature right, are set up to work on the whole but not work for individuals, so why should we assume anything else about Torah? Okay. So on the now then he makes a further step. Says on the basis of this distinction, now that we know that. Um, right, that the commands of the Torah are set up to be good in the majority of cases the majority of people you should not be astonished that the purposes of the Torah are not fulfilled in every individual okay, so here you might have a kasha on the divinity of Torah and say, look, I know people who are great and keep halakha, halakha perfectly and yet they don't seem to me to be fully developed human beings now how can that be? Right, if they really learn Torah and they really do Torah how can they not be perfectly developed human beings? The answer is, well, you know what? Torah is designed for the majority of people. Some people, it doesn't work so well. Um, Right? Um, Rather, it follows necessarily that there will be people whom that Torah governance does not bring to perfection. As the forms of natural species do not achieve all that naturally follows from them in each individual member of the species, for everything comes from one deity and one actor we're given from one shepherd, and the reverse of this is impossible, and we have already explained that the impossible is a fixed nature that will never change. Okay, here we have a little bit of, um, of medieval um, philosophic, uh, philosophic uh, technical stuff, but we'll try and, and um, take you through it. So the first thing is that the realm thinks that um, God is bound by logic, um, right? That God can't do things. Right, God can't do A and not A at the same time, and so if there's something that's impossible, it's impossible, and God can't change it, right? The, right, the impossible has right is necessarily non-existent. Okay, Now he claims, um, then this is something that is apparently obvious to medievals, not so obvious to us, um, that in the relationship between form and matter, matter often does not achieve the full purpose of form. So you can think of, let's say an ideal parrot. Right? And there's an ideal parrot. Ideal parrots can do certain things, they can fly, um, right? they can imitate voices, um, whatever they is that you can do. Many parrots will not be the ideal parrots. Many parrots won't learn well. Some parrots won't be able to fly. Some parrots won't even be pretty. They're all parrots. They all partake in the same basic form of the parrot. All right? And God created the form of the parrot. But they're not perfect parrots. And the reason they're not perfect parrots is not, necess- is not because they had traumatic childhoods. right? It's because it so happens that when you know, God created the form of the parrot, not every parrot was going to be perfect. And guess what? Not every human being is perfect either. Most human beings are imperfect in one way or another. And right, the Torah is said right now, it happens that all parrots share a certain characteristics of parrotness, and therefore most of them will, for example, eat the same food. So it's reasonable to construct right, to construct a thing that is good for most parrots. Just like it's reasonable to construct a diet that is good for most humans. But some humans... Are going to be celiacs, and therefore, a diet. Right, and therefore, a an aspect of the, um, therefore, an aspect of the um, of the um, right of diet that would be good for most humans will be deadly to particular humans, right? And for all I know, there are parrots who are allergic to particular to particular varieties of birdseed. Okay, so just as there are, just as in the bodies of human beings, there are variants and know it, right, and so not all human beings are perfect, manifest. in fact all human beings are imperfect manifestations of the form of the human being it turns out that human souls are also imperfect manifestations of the human soul and the Torah is set up to be pasta right? it works really well for a lot of people <laughs> not so well for some people spiritual celiacs right? Spiritual, right? The Torah is really not going to work well for, uh, for spiritual celiacs Okay, so that's another almost claim. The Torah is set up to be right to be the greatest good for the great right, for the great for the greatest number of individuals. There are going to be people who are exceptional and um, and therefore whom specific acts of specific laws will harm. And there are also going to be people for whom even the entirety of Torah will at the least not be perfectly helpful. Okay, he doesn't go so far as to say that there are people for whom the whole of Torah is harmful. Um, right, but he does go so far as to say that there, right, that individual laws can harm individual people. The Torah as a whole, the Torah as a whole, can be less than the perfect regimen for right, for specific people. Okay, on the basis of this, you know, the realm moves from being descriptive to being prescriptive. Okay, so far we've just described what is Torah. Now the realm says, furthermore, on the basis of this distinction, it would not be proper for the commandments to be influenced by the changing conditions of human beings and the times. Okay, so not only is Torah this way, but it would be improper for Torah to be any other way. If you tried to make Torah, right, to match specific cultures, specific eras, right, then you would end up undermining the divine nature of Torah. Okay, he brings a very interesting analogy. He says, law is unlike medicine. Okay, because his vision of medicine is that the preparation of medicine is influenced with each preparation specific to each individual in accordance with his mixture of humors at that particular time. And okay, we can do medieval medicine and right, talk about the, the balance of humors right, and that vision of what's going on. Um, even though right, rather it's appropriate for Torah governance to be absolutely and completely general, even though this will be negative for some people and not negative for others, for if according to the individual there would be a loss for all, and you would you would have given your words by degrees. Okay, so his first claim is that it is, the essence of law is that it be general, the essence of divine law is that it be absolutely general, and therefore we acknowledge that Torah can harm individuals, acknowledge that Torah as a whole can be imperfect for individuals, and we don't want to change that, because Torah is not like medicine. And we would give up the whole notion of law if we were to do this. Okay, for this reason, it is inappropriate for matters in the Torah aimed at immediate purposes to be bounded by time or place, but rather, the laws should be absolute and framed generally, as the, right, as God said, right, and the intent or the intent of law of these general utilities as we have explained. Okay, and then he goes on to say now now I can really talk about why there are mitzvot and why individual mitzvot. Okay, so the Ram here sets up this um, really quite radical notion that, um, that we should not be concerned about the individual and in halacha at all. Um, what, all we need to write uh, is is aimed at the majority of people, and he even concedes, right? If you read him, he gets gets more radical, right? He says that it would not be proper for the commandments to be influenced by the changing conditions of human beings and the times, which means that Torah might not even be best for most people at any particular time or in any particular culture. Torah just has to be good for most people, right? For most people judged either geographically or temporally, Right in the course of history, we might be unlucky. Right, we might be living in a time in which Torah is bad for most people in most places, but that's okay because over the next five hundred years, it will leave it out. Okay, that's what the Ram says. Um, right, it's really, really quite, uh, right, really quite startling. Um, the the core of this is the analogy he makes between law and right, the the, the uh, I guess anti analogy he makes between law and medicine. Right, medicine cares about individuals doctors try and heal everybody and they know that what's good for one patient is damaging for another but halachis can't right, Halachis should not be doctors of the soul right, Halachis are just making law okay, what we're going to see though is that the Ramam uses this metaphor right, this metaphoric connection between law and medicine in two other places and the other two places he seems to draw startlingly different conclusions and our job is going to be to try and figure out how we can reconcile these claims. Um, now, I should point out, we're going to be reading three texts, one from the Guide to the Perplexed, one from the, the Code, and one from his Commentary to the Mishnah. Uh, one can always um, cheat and claim that the contradictions between these are just because they were, uh, right, just because they were written for different audiences, and really the realm doesn't have to be consistent. I tend not to like that approach, uh, and I think in this case, the fact that he uses the medical analogy in each of these cases will tell you that he's actually presenting a consistent, comprehensive position. Um, right, and we reject the, I think Menachem Butler quoted an old, I think it's probably a variant of an old poem, peace of mind recently in which these read the, the contradictions between the guide and the code were resolved on the claim that the guide was written by the Rambam, said the guide was written, the code was written by the Rambam, whereas the guide was written by Maimonides. It was some Judeo-Arabic philosopher who um, right, can't be held responsible. No, I think they're the same person, and um, and I think you'll see that the analogy uh, that the analogy will um, will the fact that he uses the same analogy every time will convince you that he's actually trying to say the same thing, even though at first glance they sound wildly contradictory. Okay, so he begins by explaining the difference between. Um, what, we, what we call Biblical law and what we call Rabbinic law. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday. Um, and telling you that in Biblical law, um, the Biblical law um, can, be, can be changed as people change their intellectual interpretations of Torah. But Rabbinic law, in principle he argues, can't be changed at all. At least certain Rabbinic decrees can never be changed. But then he tells you, but even these Rabbinic decrees which I just told you can never be changed. Courts can change them. Okay, Now there's a word missing in English, which is my fault. Right, a court has the power to uproot even these rabbinic decrees, lefisha'ah, we should put it in there, right, for the time. Um, even if it's inferior to the original court, okay, so even if, right, so even though for all rabbinic decrees we require a beitin gadol, de be minyan, whatever that means, um, but in practice, all rabbinic decrees can be uprooted by any court. Um, why? Because these rabbinic decrees should not be more powerful than the words of the Torah itself. And even the words of Torah, every court has the right to uproot as a ruling for the hour. Okay, so this is what we call hora At-Sha'ah, a ruling for the moment. And the Raman says that all courts have the right to uproot, whether it be Torah, whether it be rabbinic law. You can just say, you know what, that law doesn't apply now. Okay, for example, a court that sees a need to strengthen the religion and establish a protective fence so that people will not transgress the words of Torah, can whip people and punish them with no legal basis, so long as they don't establish the matter for future generations, and declare that such is the halakha. Um, similarly, if they saw for the hour that it's appropriate to nullify a mitzvah to say, or to transgress a mitzvah to say, in order to return many to the religion, or to save many Jews from stumbling in other matters, they do. Okay, Courts can simply suspend whatever laws they want. Positive laws, negative laws, the Oriso laws, Rabban laws, whatever you want. Um, just as a healer cuts off someone's hands or legs so that all of them will live, so, um, right, so, um, so too a court rules in a particular time to transgress a few commandments for the hour so that all of them will be fulfilled along the lines of the, of the first sages, uh, make one Shabbat unholy for his sake so that he will observe many Sabbaths. Okay. Um, so there are two things that are striking about this. Um, one is here, the realm says, you know what, if you find that the law is not working, change it. All right? Courts discover that, in fact, it is the case that, um, let's say, we need to return many people to the religion. Um, and if we, don't, if we don't suspend this law, people will violate, lots and lots of people will violate another law. That means the law is not working. All right? Because if we keep the law as it is, right, it will be spiritually bad for people. They're going to transgress things. So, we, right, so here we have a classic situation, which he talks about in the guide, in which the law in this particular culture at this particular time is not good for the majority of people. So what do we do? We change it. Why do we change it? Because after all, it's like medicine. Just as a healer cuts off the hand, right, cuts off the arm or the leg so the whole body will live, so to the, right, so to the judge. So that's pretty striking. For, right, for when the Roman just told us, you never do that, Right, you have to leave. It, you have to leave it exactly. Right, you have to leave everything exactly the way it is, because you would undermine everything if you change, If you started changing things for the moment, I should point out just for fun though, that this argument is also used by Abraham Lincoln, uh, word for word, when he uh, suspends habeas corpus. Just as you know, just as a surgeon cuts off <laughs> right, a limb, so as to save the entire body. So too, uh, I'm going to suspend habeas corpus to save the Constitution. Um, so there's a paper in there somewhere. On uh, how how the Raman got yeah, how the got to Lincoln, I don't know that he read Raman directly, but it's too striking. Um, the common language, could it's, it's a secret in a story
1: among the doctors yeah. that
0: just and Potter. Okay, how would you how would you how would you resolve this contradiction? Oh, somebody tell me. Yes, what different
1: cases?
0: What different cases? The same case. No, that the law's not working all
1: of the time. X works, and then
0: only some of the time you do Y. Yeah, but the almost says the law works in all—you in, know, all the time works in many cases and not these cases. And when that happens, it's tough. Just like nature. There's clearly a distinction between. Nations, I agree, true. but he hasn't told us what it is. But look so to we'll me.
2: read the
0: next one. Oh uh, no, we're not up to the, You can solve it before the sense next one. Yes, yeah, true. Um, well, in the first one, he's talking about
2: the commandments of the Torah, and here he's talking about rabbinical
0: decrees. No, so, not just Rabinetz say even Rabinetz Akris. You can transgress the
1: words of Torah.
0: Even Rabinetz no. Yes, Jacob. Uh, so
1: maybe he's talking in one place uh, what the power of the Sanhedrin while the other one's talking about all the
0: agents of the Sanhedrin. I know, the guy, he says he, you know, he says he's talking about not who does it, but what should be done. Maybe, maybe
1: It shouldn't maybe, be done. Maybe this is talking about us and the, the and, uh, Torah is talking about all these laws of rebels. He's talking about when there is a Sanhedrin.
0: I don't know. and the guy, why are they talking about it? He says it's bad. It's the whole thing. Come on. The answer's there. Yes, James? Maybe
1: he's talking about, the, um, the the Torah itself as a text will ever change. The terms of our application of Torah can fit it
0: But We're not applying Torah. We're suspending this That's what I mean. I mean. The
1: text itself is, is there. We're I mean, suspending this say your of it. Not the
0: text, he doesn't say the text, he says the law. Oh thank you, thank you. Okay, somebody finally What? li look at what the is telling you over and over again, right? He tells you, right he tells you here, right, in the in the Mishara, that a court Right, a, right, let's read, it, read the, the middle very a court that sees a need to, to strengthen the religion and establish a, perfect, a protective fence so that the people will not transgress the words of Torah can flagellate and punish without legal basis but they can't establish the matter for generations and here's the key line and declare that such is the halakha okay Right. This is the right, position of the Ramlam is that you can change things so long as you don't say that the change is the law Okay, so the right, so the solution the the um, solution to the contradiction between the guide and the code is that the guide says that the law can never change, and that's true. The law can never change, but the code says that just because the law can never change doesn't mean that what you do can never change, because you don't always have to follow the law. Now you may look at me and say, or if "You're looking at me and say, come on, that's cheating.' <laughs> right? either, either it is halakha, or, right, or it isn't halakha. So that's worth thinking about, whether it's cheating or not. I think the first thing is to acknowledge that the Rambam means that, right? That if you look at the language of the text and the fact that he, right, that he talks about medicine in one place, you know, surgery in the other, I think it's clear that's what he means. I have to try and figure out why should that matter, um, right? Why should it matter whether you call it law, right? whether you call it law or not? Um, here I will, yes, Jacqueline.
1: Is there any way to stop?
0: Generations be as Anyway, stop future generations using it as precedent. Well, they, you have to say openly, this is not law. Have have that problem. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, look at you specifically
1: said with Eliyah on the book. Yeah, Yes, so I'm not so sure
0: this works. Truthfully, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure you know, that once, you know, for example, all of you are taking notes, right? Even though the suspension of the prohibition against uh, writing down Torah uh, Shabbat, assuming that what I'm saying is Torah. Uh, you know, was done was, was done temporarily about 1,300 years ago. Um, so, right, it's been a long time. On um, the other we can claim circumstances still haven't changed. We haven't reclaimed our capacity to memorize large amounts of material um, orally. Um, okay, so we have here. Right, we have here is something that um, that you have to have you know, something of an evil mindset, right, and believe that it makes a difference. Whether you say you know, that the, what happens on the, on the ground doesn't matter as so much as long as you can keep, maintain the idea, uh, right? And the problem is okay as long as you maintain that idea of law. Um, then it's okay if you don't always follow it. That's difficult for us to acknowledge you know, the notion that you the principle has been maintained when you've actually followed an exception. But uh, it doesn't seem so so difficult for him. I should say that um, Professor Chanev and Menachem is fond of arguing that one of the key conceptions that one always has to get is that there's a difference between halakha and halakha l'maseh. And this is not just true of you know, by the realm of here, but that in general, just because something is written in a book doesn't mean we're going to follow it. Um, and he has a couple of great examples of places like, like that where we say that's the halakha but nobody, nobody should actually do it. Uh, we saw one case of this in the Gemara where we're dealing with it where, uh, where we possibly like Rav Gamliel but then we tell you don't pasken like Rav Gamliel. Just because is like him doesn't mean you should act that way. Um, and um, at least not lechatchilo, but I would agree that um, it is a, an intrinsically problematic notion. All right, the, the Rambam offers, um, but I, th- I don't think there's any way. I don't think there's any way around it. I think you know that if you look at his language, that's what he's claiming. Um, that and I hope that after we do the um, after we do the next paragraph, that a way of making sense of that will come will, will come out. Okay, so we're going to read the next one, but the relevance is less obvious. This is from the, uh, from the commentary to um, the Mishnah, this is the introduction to Pirkei Avod, um which I like to translate as chapters of principles. It doesn't say anything about fathers. Uh, I don't think that's really if but Pirkei Avot means chapters of principles. Um, but in case you don't recognize it, that's what it is. Uh, so it right, writes, so the Shmona Prakim, is the Ramam's introduction to his own, uh, right, his own conception of, of um, how one perfects character, and so the first I gave you the, I gave you a couple lines of chapter one. Just so you'll see we're talking about medicine again. Okay, so here he tells you we're talking about you know that the improvement of character traits is nothing other than the healing of the soul and its powers, and just as the healer who heals bodies, must first know the body he is healing, so too one who heals the soul. So this is the, the right the, the programmatic introduction. What this book is about right, this int- right, for the Ramam is how to heal the soul. Okay, therefore it should be irrelevant to halacha. Right, because we said in the guide that, that, that halachas should not be healers of the soul. So what does he say? Okay, it's appropriate for a pur- person to subordinate all the powers of his soul on the basis of thought, as we prefaced in the preceding chapter, and to place before his eyes one end. Which is the achievement, best you know, best what I can come up with for hasagat. Um, and here again, we're dealing with my English translation of a Hebrew translation <laughs> of an Arabic work, um, which is the achievement of Hashem may be glorified and noble in accordance with individual with individual human capacity. In other words, to know Him. Okay. So the goal, everyone, you should whatever whatever you um, whatever whatever personal capacities you have you should control intellectually and realize that the whole goal in life is to know God. Okay, so far we're not saying anything striking or radical. You're supposed to know God. Okay. Know that this level is a very high and difficult level, and only a few will achieve it, and they only have to very great preparation. And if there would happen to exist a person whose characteristics were such, I don't think he would be inferior to the prophets. Now this is a matter of uh, some historical interest, um, at least the way I am told is that Muslim self-help books, spiritual self-help books, um, and by telling you how to become a Hasid, Jewish self-help books tell you how to become a Navi. Um, right, so it seems that Jews in that era thought that you could in fact become a spiritual being equivalent to the Prophets. Um, so the Raman leaves us out here, you know, if somebody managed to do this, it's very difficult, but I think somebody could reach, reach the level of the Prophets. Um, in other words, Someone, right, what does it mean? Someone actualizes all the powers of his soul and makes their purpose, Hashem may um, be exalted alone, and, right, and you do no action, great or small, and you pronounce no word unless that action or word brings you either to a positive midah or to something that brings you to a positive midah, and he meditates and thinks about each action and notion and motion, right? whether it brings him to that end or not, and afterward does it. Okay, so the realm's ideal of the perfect life is a life in which everything you do has a purpose. That purpose is self-improvement so that you can achieve intellectual perfection so that you can understand God. And his vision of this ideal, the prophetic person is one who thinks about every single action. And you only do actions if they bring you to that purpose. Okay. So far we're fine. And he goes on to say, the prophets of blessed memory have already urged us regarding this, saying, b'chol dirachecha da'ehu. Okay, so far we're still perfectly conventional. Know God in everything you do. But, Chazal explained, explained what does mean? What does it mean, all your ways? Even in a matter of sin. Now, what does that mean? So, there are ways of understanding it. You know, Rashi seems to understand it based on his text as meaning. That even when you, right, even a even a, a a furtive thief on the on the entrance of his tun- on the entrance of the tunnel to go into somebody's house to kill them, if they oppose you, should still do tshuva. Okay, never give up hope. Right? That's one way of reading it. It's a perfectly reasonable way of reading the Gemara. It's a totally impossible way of, re- of saying what the ramah is saying. Right, the Ramam, Right, that's not what the ramah is saying. The ramah Right, the Rama says that when I said in the previous paragraph that you should write that the person who is in the category of the prophets should do no action great or small without considering whether that action will bring them closer to God, right, closer to intellectual perfection. That meant a filo litvara vera. Even, right, even in a matter of transgression. Yes, Lisa? Are you talking
1: about Ali Shema again?
0: Again? Um, okay. Yeah. So, Yes. I should say, there. Lichtenstein's uh, famous or notorious article, uh, The there an ethnic uh, independent, independent Halakha, republished. I think in a, um, I think a changed. And I actually, I, I think I like it better version, in um, in uh, in um, leaves of faith. So he has a, a he has a long footnote. I think it's number twenty-five, in which he says there is no such thing as a very If there were such a thing as a very you couldn't do it. Uh, if I had no nafkeminas. Let's see, Maimonides, Jonah uh, chapter chapter five. So, yeah. Okay, so the right, so the, 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 the seems to be making the claim that a person on the level of the prophets is capable of occasionally doing things that are um, that are transgressions. Um, now. There are people, right? I think also, I don't, even, I don't remember which way Rashi reads it. Depends on the Geirusa. Some people say that what does it? What does this mean? It means Eliyahu at Right? It means Eliyahu right, bringing the sacrifice outside of the temple, and then they just assimilate this to the category of hora asha, that we saw in the code, right? But the Ramam doesn't say anything about communal purposes here, right? He's talking, right, he's talking about right individual focused entirely on their own self development nonetheless, right, has to, right, the fulfillment of means okay, he says, right, and what does it mean? In other words, he should give that action an end relating to the truth, even though it contains a transgression from a particular perspective. The sages, may peace be upon them, already included this whole matter in the most concise language possible, and enclosed the matter with a very, very complete enclosure to the point that if you meditate on the concision of these words and how they were said, about such a great matter, so powerful in its entirety, um, with uh, regarding which treatises have been written, without enclosing it, you will know without doubt that it was said with Rosh Hakodesh. I mean, to their statement among this and all, all your deeds have to be l'shem shamayim even your averus. Okay, now what does Rambam mean by that? Uh, right? Where does he get? What does, does he get this notion? How does he fit this notion with anything? So the first thing is that we know from the guide that it that is not difficult for the rabbis to believe that following halacha cannot be right cannot be ideal for an individual person. That's what he said. Right? Torah is a perfection. The perfection of the perfection of Torah will not be achieved in every human being. Now that raises the question: What happens if you are conscious of yourself as being one of the people who is not right? Who does not reach perfection through the law? What do you do now? as your obligation to the law? as your obligation, obligation to be And the Ramam said that, um, right, that law is not like medicine. but the Ram also told us that there is a way to do medicine. the way to do medicine is to not call it law. right So it turns out is that the Ramam has I think is a consistent position. Right, the law has to be unchanged. We know that the unchanged law will sometimes harm communities and will sometimes harm individuals. The, right, the solution to that, in the case of communities, is the Hora and in the solution, case of individuals is the other elishma. Now, what the standards are, right, how, you determine, right, how, you, how you determine whether or not you are the, um, you're the kind of person who can do this, he doesn't tell you. Uh, Presumably, um, you would have to be on the right. And I think it's reasonable to argue for the moment that, in order to make this judgment, you have to be on the level of the prophets. Right? You have to know that everything you do. Right? You have to reach the position in which everything you do is l'shem shemayim, and you are fully aware that everything you do is l'shem shemayim, and nonetheless you are conscious of imperfection for whatever reason. Right? Whatever the halacha is that is holding you back. also, I think very likely the Ramam would say that um, you have responsibilities towards others, so you could never do anything like this publicly, because right that would cause other people to be imperfect, and your failure to live up to responsibilities would be more damage to your soul than um, right than you could do than you could do um, otherwise. I'm not sure how much will we put this in practice. There are um, there are parade examples in which this might be the case. Um, in the um, Ramam's son, for example. Advocates uh, that people on the proper level should pray silently, even though halachically you do not fulfill your obligation by praying silently, on the grounds that the law has to be made for the, for the multitude, and most people are incapable of concentrating unless they verbalize. But for people on the highest level, verbalization blocks it, and so you should pray. Right? And so, people on the highest level should, at least occasionally, go into solitude and pray silently, as opposed to verbally. Right? That would be an example. Right? That would be an example of a viral shema in that system. Okay, that's the rumble. Frankly, it's probably too radical for me. Um, uh, I think, uh, and also, yeah, both, both because his extension of this to the individual, uh, giving the power to an individual, even if we claim it's only to individuals with the power of the prophet, um, giving, the, giving individuals the power to break the law because of their sense of their own spiritual perfection, that's pushing it. And too many people will think they've already hit that level. Uh, right, the, you know, for, me to, for me to endorse that uh, secondly i don't know you know, while there is there are certainly conceptions and paralegal systems of distinction between the law and practice uh, this is just awfully abstract right to claim that it's okay because as long as we make the statement that the law is unchanged we can do whatever we want um, but I think the realm is very useful um, in, a, in a somewhat different um, in a somewhat different framework. Um, let's, Let's try and take the analogy that Raman makes in the guide again. It says that law is not like medicine. Law is like nature. Okay. So therefore, if the law harms individuals, we don't change the law. And if the nature harms individuals, we don't change nature. We do. We do medicine. Right. So why does Raman make this claim? Right. Why does Raman make this claim that because law is like medicine, we can't do anything? Right. We don't. Right, we don't say that because God created created tidal patterns, therefore we can't build dikes in front of tsunamis. Right. We don't say. Right, we don't say that because right, because God created fire to burn that we can't surround our fire as the fireproof materials to keep the house from burning down. OK, right, so the question the question I would ask is, um, in, the, right, in the Ramam's analogy, right, the Torah is like nature. And therefore, Torah deals with the majority of cases just like nature deals with the majority of cases. And Torah harm, Torah law is harmful to individuals in the same way that the laws of nature are harmful to individuals what is it that we can do in Torah which is parallel to medicine? Now we know from reading the code and from reading the, from reading the um, Parish of Mishnayot that the Ramam does not read this as a ban on spiritual medicine. Right? right in fact, right, in fact he, does make, he does make these exceptions. He tells us that there is surgery, the Hora Asha, and there, is, and, and there is flat out spiritual medicine. Um, the problem is that we find these solutions really, really radical. Um, and we don't see, uh, we, don't, we don't find ourselves being compelled to resort to such, uh, to quite such extreme measures to justify medicine. We don't you know, find ourselves. Oh, we're not really changing the laws of medicine, the laws of, the laws of nature when we give when we give people medicines. We're just using them, right? Um, but we don't. Right, we don't. When we engage, when we engage in surgery, we are not amputating the law of nature that gangrene is going to kill you, right? So the claim. Right so, the, right. so if the Ramam is, as I think is correct right, he's leaving, right, he's deliberately drawing a distinction between law and medicine to tell you that there is a distinction between the creation of law, which is forbidden and the um, right, just as we are incapable of changing the laws of nature um, but there has to be something that is parallel to what um, ordinary medicine is and I don't think that verilishma is enough you know i think that be hard pressed to say that the parallel that the only parallel we have to medicine is a religion so i want to suggest the following um right the law is what the law is um, sometimes right in really really radical cases the law will be right, the law is so clearly harmful either to a group or to individuals that the only solution is surgery um, but more often there is a better parallel to medicine. The better parallel to medicine is interpretation. Um, and the better parallel, the better parallel to medicine says, "Look, here are the laws of nature. If I were not to interfere in the laws of nature and use them, then individuals would be harmed. But working within the laws of nature, I can build dikes, hopefully effectively. All right, I, all right. I can make medicine, and there's nothing wrong with that. My building." My building dice and making medicines does not conflict with the claim that God is the author of the universe. Okay, so I want to argue that the Ramam sees the job of the posik as being the doctor to the soul. Um, right, the job, right, that the law, the law is what the law is and the law is designed for the majority of cases and the majority of time and left, right, but the law left to its own devices just like the laws of nature left to their own devices would harm lots of people, um, but just as, but we are given permission to utilize the laws of nature, so that we still can't make the world perfect. There are still people who are struck by lightning, and there are still people, right, and there are still people who, right, who drown, and there are still houses that burn down. But the the right, the the role granted to human beings is to work with the laws of nature so as to shrink even further the minority who are, who are damaged. Um, and my suggestion is that that's the role of the posik with regard to law. Um, right? But just like the laws of nature can be implemented in the real world in various ways, the laws of the Torah can be implemented in the real world in various ways. And the job of the posik is to make sure that the way in which the law is implemented in the real world is um, conscious of the specific circumstances um, the specific, uh, whether they be cultural or technological, um, and in specific cases the individual circumstances, um, and try and interpret them in such a way that the damage the damage occurs in the um, to the minimal degree possible. And that would mean that um, right, the Torah is written deliberately so as to leave room for interpretation, which I think is a very um, right, a very uh, yeah I think the dominant position in Khazal is that Torah is written with multiple interpretations precisely, as the, the Mishnah and Sofram says, so that if a judge needs needs in a particular case to be made to be to be mitame, he can be. And if a judge needs a particular case to be mitahir, right, he can do that also. Now the categories of tumah and Tara still exist. Uh, right, the category of tumah and Tara in a specific halacha still exists. But right, but just as the laws of nature can be affected by human will without changing God as author of the universe. So the laws of the Torah can also be affected by human will without changing, without changing their divine status. Um, so that's my that's my that's my overall vision, um, right? That I think if you take medical metaphors all the way through in the Ramam, you'll see that the Ramam has to leave open this possibility. The only thing is that the Ramam, in his own work, um, never Ramam never has, so far as I can tell, a um, an explicit discussion of the right of what exactly the responsibility of interpreters is relative to the law and I should say that I'm talking that I've defined interpreters as specifically as being the posaic. Um, that may be overbroad I think the job of the, you know, there are, there's a difference between what you might call a communal forsake and an individual posaic. and a communal posaic has to deal with the good of the community and an individual forsake has to deal with the good of the individual um, but I think fundamentally they're they're um, they're playing the same role in oneries, which is that they are being the doctors, and that in his in his system he doesn't see it, right? Just as he doesn't see medicine as contradicting God's plan in nature, he doesn't see right? he doesn't see Psach as contradicting God's plan in Torah, even though Psach involves a degree of human volition. Okay, comments? Questions? Total agreement? Huh? Yes, Ariel.
2: So why then the doctor analogy? Because I mean, why then does he use this the doctor analogy? And I, I see how it plays that. I think he
0: uses it to tell you that you know that it's very important to him that you recognize that you're not you're not God. You don't get to create the world. You don't get to create the Torah. Right? You have to, right. There are right, just as there are laws of nature. There are laws of Torah. and you have to work with them, but you don't. See, he doesn't see them as deterministic. Right, they set a framework, but they can be adjusted.
2: And then, how does that work in terms of the purpose of that Because, Whereas, very few people say that there's a, a let's say there's a purpose for the laws of flood and non-flood in the world. Right, there's no, there's no, there's no real reason to want to have less. For example, then that could lead you to a to like, uh, like, uh, with the rabbi refer- at the same time as the grovadia. Right, of right, your just getting rid of them, just really work your way on theirs to the extent that there is none, because right, if doctors could stop certain diseases to the extent that there really is none, that'd be great. It
0: right? could lead to that position. Right. Uh, can, you know, you could take the, you know, you could also take the position that some people say that whenever, you know, that the, the, the process of limiting one disease often creates one, you, know, you have to okay. you have to be careful and make sure that this is not something which will which will boomerang, because you know, dealing with you know, yeah. law is a delicate ecosystem. But ah. um, inachinami, if you could eliminate mamzeirut, right, without causing a countervailing decline in marriage, etc., right, then inachinami, right, that might, right, that might very well be true.
2: So, but then that would imply that the Torah is an incomplete solution.
0: Is the world an incomplete solution? Right, that's the analogy he makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm not. Right, I'm not making up that analogy. No, of course no, that's what Right, so you have to. Right, every philosophy has to somehow account as to. Right, you know, if really all God wanted us to have was free will in the spiritual realm, you know, then He shouldn't have given us free will in the physical realm either. But He did. Uh, so presumably, there has to be some purpose to our capacity to, uh, right, to to uh, produce technology. Yes.
1: I, I'm, I'm not sure I understand why, uh, why the word therefore is at in here in the transition, the second paragraph in the one group. What causes the, to try to reconcile medicine with sat is an assumption that nature is the vibe and the, the parallel should be exact. The could just be saying it's a mushroom. I, mean, I, I think the way you said it originally was that nature is also the vibe, it's always the vibe, but I don't know if the roundabout is. Yeah, Torah is
0: the very lucky. The Torah is divine, divine. Alright, And therefore,
1: but he doesn't
0: say from the Hebrew translation. Just says is No, it's not and. I think I think the correct translation is and. Therefore, because the Torah is key, you can learn from it. Otherwise, why would you learn from nature? It's not and. I don't think that's right.
1: I wrong. It's wrong to that nature is divine. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely right. What's the what is the highest degree of Torah is right, not right? Our Masa Rishit, Masav Merkava, Masav Rishit is is the natural That's not like the uh, the kind of structure. You know, no, he thinks like, these are made Maselokim.
1: Right. So that doesn't mean that they're you know exact parallel of that which is the Torah.
0: And... I think that's what he says. <laughs> right. Why would I think why would I think that I think that the argument is why would I think that law is general because God made it. Why do, right? How do I know that God makes things which are general but nonetheless harm individuals? Because God made nature. I don't see any other way to read it. Uh, I, I don't. I think the vid. think the vi is clearly a therefore. You can go back and read other translations, but I think it clearly is. So Yeah. So analogy surgery is like in a very With surgery, you're not violating any natural law. Yeah. So the interesting issue as to what the um, right why. What, what the surgery analogy um, specifically is, you're not, right? Cause it, because it, what you're, you're not amputating, you're not, not amputating law, but then again, how is an interesting middle ground also, because Roshah is not illegal, right? It's a right. It's a legitimate step. It's a legitimate. It's a legal suspension of itself. Um, and I think he, you know he sees surgery as saying, look, overall, nature is supposed to help you. Here we're saying it just can't. Right. So we're just going to step out, and we're going to right, and we're going to give up on the right, and say we're going to cut off the. Uh, I think, but I agree that the surgery analogy is not as precise as the uh, as the medicine one. Yes, Sarah
2: If you take the uh, nature analogy fully, then you don't have any problem with saying that certain halachos are maykara, just bad for that. No. Right, I mean, there it could be bad. You know, no, can't say it. could be
0: bad. No. Why? Can't say that because no,
2: you have to say Torah on a whole. No, no, you like, can't say that's it. That's every it. law
0: in the Torah. Every, every law that's just like gravity can't be bad. The
2: floods...
0: The floods are not a law of nature. Floods are a, are a detail. Uh, floods are a consequence. I just
2: want to say that... Gravity has to be
0: good. Right. Fire has to be good. Radioactivity has to be good. All right. Okay. Maybe the weak force and the strong force both have to be good. I don't know. Alright, so right. way of... Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: So no right. so there has a whole camera.
1: Right. Alright, excellent. Alright
2: the the law of can't say
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any law in the Torah has to be, has to be the greatest good of the great right of, of the greatest number and the greatest.
2: And then Chazal as well. He doesn't say that. So they have well in the but in the missionary is not making a chiluf between the two, right? And you can use you. Uh, okay, now, the
0: Mishnah does tell you that in fact you have the right to change the,
2: the,
0: the right to end you, you, you can change their rights without Horecha. Right. You can change, right? Because in the Rambam's system, there is no precedent, right, in terms of interpretation of Torah. Right. right. The only thing is that in our day, when we no longer have the capacity to change the Reis of law, or at least we no longer utilize it, depending. It's the Rilochanon Um So you, right? So, um, so the only way to accomplish this end is surgery. But um, in Achinami, I think that the Rambam thought, you know, the Rama thought that in the ideal system. If circumstances changed such that a particular interpretation of the law was harmful, the solution was to reinterpret. Okay. Yes?
1: So, uh, with respect to the the, the Mishnah Torah, are there any examples that would. would, I mean, the very last thing about uh, the law of the Shabbat. Yeah. That's not a group, that's not saving. uh, not uh, helping many to return to the religion. Did
0: he give any examples uh, I don't think he gives any examples in this particular case. Um, one might argue about you know, some of his true votes. Um, right, might, constitute, might constitute things like that. Um, in particularly in terms of how you relate to how you relate to under Islamic oppression. And issues like that. But I'm, I don't know. Of and I think that Eliyahu with Howard Carmel is always the lead example. Of someone doing something like that. But I'm not aware of. But in the mission story, I don't believe he gives any specific examples. Maybe he doesn't want people to learn from them because he cites examples, then all of a sudden they become generalizable and he, he doesn't want there to be precedent, so he just tells you. Right? What's the there's principle no, no parallel to that in like, the natural world. I'd be like, Suspending the laws of physics so that the planes you know, for five minutes so the planes don't hit the World Trade Center. Yeah, like, no, I, I agree. Have the power to do that. I agree that the um, I agree that there is, that um, the surgery analogy doesn't doesn't match nature uh, quite as well. If I had thought about it, when I would have been That was first pointed out to me that maybe I should have cut the surgery part out and just stick with medicine. <laughs> uh, but I don't I don't think you can see the pattern otherwise. But I agree with you that the um, the surgery analogy still needs work. That's a uh, I think since the first time I've given it, you know, people always have trouble with that one. I've, got, I've tried different formulations, and you're right, I still won't have it. No way that make it work precisely. Um, OK, I think we should now spend our hour preparing for info. <laughs>